Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time, Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food production and food consumption the last week of August. It seems like every time I turn around, I'm talking about the last week and another month behind us. Or is it in front of us? I'm not sure. Hank Vogler, that's why he's here to make all of these proper diagnosis with his opinion it gets worse the older you get it's years <laughs> that click by <laughs> well i don't know great well, they all, they all great turn. t-shirt yeah thank you mandy <laughs> the t-shirt that i forwarded to hank today said quick hide the beer the sheep shears are here <laughs> and I can guarantee that that's the truth. New Zealanders, I think, are one or two in the world for consumption of beer. When they used to come over here and shear, yeah, it was a beer fest. I'm really? telling you. In fact, they got rained in here one time, and and the protocol is always the same. If it starts raining where you're at, and you're not through shearing, you stay there no matter what the people in front are mad about you they got to stay and shear your sheep they just don't pull up and leave well anyhow 11 days before they cut a hair 11 days oh my god and goodness. shelburne was open in those days and the last day when they come over to shear lyman brought over three cases of beer and thanked them i mean those guys made him a fortune that they were there through the whole day they didn't have anything to do they had all their tools ready everything <laughs> so he he bought him some beer i guarantee you <laughs> uh turns out that uh, not to fact check you live and on the spot but that's what i'm doing because i was curious more than anything um the czech republic is the largest per capita beer consumption now, this is not in the sheep shearing population this is just beer consumption 184 liters per capita well, they've just pulled that in because it always used to be Germany and New Zealand, and I think Australia was up there. Austria is second. Lithuania, Romania, uh, Poland, Estonia. <laughs> it must be tough to live in the Eastern Bloc of, of Europe. <laughs> yeah. They, they Germany. Absolutely. Spain. Uh, ooh, Nimbia. Oh, is that in Africa? Croatia. But here's well, a, they've a, skyrocketed into that. Hank, here's an interesting piece. The number one in terms of beer consumption is 184 liters per year. Number 10 is at 82 liters. That's a big drop. Wow. <laughs> well, maybe that's uh, the trend in the world with the uh, use of marijuana and, uh, wine and other beverages and, and of course but light fell out of bed too <laughs> you know maybe uh, i have no idea but it always used to australia and new zealand were always up in that top of that category new zealand's currently at 64 liters per person per year 27th in per capita wow i'll bet you if you look back at 90 say nineteen ninety. Four. I'll bet you they're up there higher than that. I, I, I don't doubt you one bit. 
anyhow, yes, sir, they packed away the beer. Speaking of which, my beer on the loose, the Scotch Ale, is now in cans, and we are ready for distribution. So hang on tight. We're gonna we're gonna wow. we're gonna give the Eastern Block a run for their money. <laughs> okay. Hey, I, I think that Tyrone or whatever his name is looking for work. If you want to kind of put him on the payroll promoting your beer, I, I don't know and, if that's a good idea or not. I don't know who Tyrone is. Don't want to know. But um, did you? Th this has got to light you on fire. So we have spent twenty years talking about how the Department of Labor is riding you, making it impossible for you to continue with your H two A workers. Which, in case you don't know, those are temporary agricultural workers that Hank has had working for him, herding sheep for how many years? Every year it gets tougher and tougher. And now, and now they are demanding that companies employ these illegals they're bringing into the nation. And, and obviously one is getting a lot of attention, but now I'm getting bits and pieces from people all over the country that they're coming to them saying, you got to employ these illegals. How are we, uh, I, uh, I shouldn't even ask I've been this drinking question. A quarter. Go ahead. I, I've been drinking a quart of Valium every morning. Thank you. Okay, you're the reason. If you would not be doing that and you'd be drinking beer, we would have the United States in the top 10 list of beer consumption per capita. <laughs> well, the, the production of alcohol is subsidized by the government because they're driving us to drink. Yes, Tesla, they're going to sue him. If I hire an illegal and they catch an illegal here, they will come in and take all my men away from me and find me $10,000 per copy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, are we flooding the market with CFOs and CEOs of major corporations? Or are we looking for people to make beds, to pick crops, to do, this, to do the minimal wage jobs that the Americans no longer do because they can get on unemployment? They can get on welfare. They can game the whole system. I believe in Washington, uh, it's in the eighty to ninety thousand dollars all the benefits that they can get. So yeah, that's what we're bringing in. So they're being uh, robbed by the cartels. They're being lied to by the American government, and and I think at the end of the day, they're going to be the ones that help us. And I know I've said it before and I'll say it one more time. Pitchforks, axes, shovels, whatever they could reach. The people in France, right after the American Revolution, stormed the Bastille, drug the elites out, and put their heads on the spike. I don't hope we have, do not come to that, but the oligarchs, and the, that's what they are, the people that are benefiting from bringing in seven million is the estimate now. They're they're the ones, you know. Even in the state of Nevada, the minimum wage is not that high. But as soon as they get here, they get a if they get a green card, they go into uh, mowing lawns, working in Las Vegas. Then they know how to. They on Spanish uh, radio down there tells them who to go talk to to get on welfare, to get grandma here, get all these different benefits. So we're subsidizing that industry also. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. 
it's time we took our country back. And, and, and I would love anybody that wants to do the job, I'd hire him in a heartbeat, legal or illegal. Just get him here and not have him run off to some other job uh, after I pay all the money to get them up here, buy all their papers, buy, have, I get, I have to get, they're checking me right now, part department of labor to make sure that I paid for their lodging and for their transportation and their food while they were migrating up here to go to work for me. Yes. And that is paramount that we, they have documentation that that, there, there's so many places to go with that. Fortunately, we're in the first segment. You, you talked about the French Revolution. You want to go back just a little bit before that, like to 1215, which led to the Magna Carta, was the same thing. They, they finally got tired of the yeah. peasants char, ch chasing them down. And it's pretty widely reported that the Founding Fathers, not only was it was the Bible and the Magna Carta that led to the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, 1066, the Battle of Hastings. That's when it all started. Well, that's encouraging. That means that it only took just short of 200 years to get them to come around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. At some point in time, you know, I mean, you get up on your stump and you whip and you slash and you yell and scream and follow me and I'll take you to the promised land. I'll... Every, you know, everything will be just absolutely come up roses. You'll never have a dark day. Well, it lasts for a while, but unless you have a capitalistic system uh, where the least among us can rise to the top and you start pushing people down, eventually they get a gut full of yeah. it. You've had a gut full of it in China, I believe. And, and they're having troubles over there like you can't believe. Roll out. We'll pick it up with trouble in China when we get back with more Hank Vogler on a Monday after this. Have the attention of the consumer more now than ever before about proper management of the land. And the people closest to the land should do what is best for land and production of food. When it comes to crop protection from weeds, Apache sprayers get it done with ease like no other. The benefit of the Apache sprayers is not necessarily the sprayer itself, which I believe in. It's the people and the service that comes behind it. Simpson Farm Enterprises from Kansas and Nebraska, along with High Plains Apache, encourage you to test their customer service by calling SimpsonFarm.com or HighPlainsApache.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose alongside... Hank Vogler checking in with the troubles from China. What's going on in China? Well, I can't believe that it's traded on the New York Stock Exchange, but there's an outfit called Evergrande, and they're the largest builders in China. And it was the most profound thing when I arrived in China, besides the fact that you couldn't see Beijing. It was just in the absolutely in pollution. Got to Shendu, same way. And all everywhere you looked in any direction, there were these sky cranes on top of these buildings and huge, tall buildings. I don't know, 30, 40 stories, whatever they were, but I mean, they stuck out. And I said, uh, wow, they're sure doing a lot of building around here. Uh, how's that going? And they said, well, they're empty. And I go, they're what? 
they're empty. Yep. Well, and this is my stepson. I said, Eagle, how, how can that possibly be? There, there's, uh, there's 25 cranes I can see right now. And he looked at me absolutely stunned. He says, they can't afford to lay half a million people in Shendu that are in the building trades. So, <laughs> and now they're building towns out where the agriculture production is uh, to manufacture the clothing, the, the cotton and things like that because the cities are overcrowded. If everybody in that small town, only 12 million people, walked out in the street at the same time, there's no place for them to stand. So, I mean, it's just they're hitting the wall, but in a controlled society, which is ours is becoming just as bad with the control of the newspaper. You don't hear nothing about Pinocchio Joe and, and, and his son and all the things that are going on. Uh, unless you listen to Newsmax, they're hiding all of this stuff, uh, trying to promote their own system. I mean, it's, it's the, there's the integrity of the news media in our country. Uh, and it's not new. Mark Twain said, if you do not read the newspaper, you are uninformed. If you read the newspaper, you're misinformed. So it's nothing new. It's human nature. We've never changed human nature. I had a guy one day tell me, and I told him he was wrong, but it turns out he was right, that media is the unspoken fourth branch of government. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, guess who they're in bed with? And mm -hmm. you can't, in a way, it's atypical of the human experience. For so many years, the Democrats were in charge. They were they whipped up and said, "We're the party of the people. We represent the working man, the lunch bucket Joe, uh, you know, the unions and and the downtrodden and the minorities and love us to death." And so they naturally, people went to them to get something done. So no matter how off the wall your cause was, you going to a Republican? Are you kidding me? They didn't want, they didn't want to be bothered with absolutely having to do anything. They were at the country club. They were, you know, but the people started bailing out of the Democratic Party. They had no place to go. And they wound up in the Republican Party. Now we got this struggle in the Republican Party from the old silk scarfers that their hand is out just as far as the Democrats. And uh, they're going to have to come in from their croquet game or playing canasta at the club and, and actually help the people because the people have had a gut full of it. And they are I don't care if they're what minority they're in or anything. People, it's the Democrats and the Republicans have switched. Democrats now represent the elites of the country, the people that are making buku bucks off of the rest of us. And we have two tiers of justice, all these things. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I, I, I'm. this is no longer a Democrat versus Republican thing, though, because I, I actually have more respect for the Bernie Sanders of the world who point blank tell you that he's a socialist and thinks that that's a path we ought to go on, as opposed to the Republicans who pretend to be something that they're not, and they never follow through on what it is they say they're going to do. And they always say we're going to have less government. We're we're conservative. And yet government continues to grow 80%. I saw a report this weekend, 80% of the currency in the marketplace today 
in circulation was generated since 2020. Well, Hank, you know better than anybody that every economist would tell you that you can't just throw money into an economy and expect it not to create a serious inflationary path. It's all intended, and no Republican stood in front of it. Nope, nope, because they were get, go along to get along guys, and there were just certain parts of the country that were going to vote Republicans, so uh, they put on a Republican hat. They put on a red hat, and then exactly. they had blue underwear on. Yep. <laughs> All right, I'm not inspecting their underwear. I just I'm I'm from what I can see and know what's going on, I know where they stand. And it's not for you and I, but it's our fault. Yep. It's not their fault. They're doing what human nature is. We were given a document that said you can control these people if you're willing. And we haven't been willing. And and cookies coming to crumble again because now they're gonna test our ability to comply and be compliant because Every day, whether it's real or not, every day they're telling you we're going to mask up and lock down again. Oh, yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. And then under the table, because nobody, you know, the Democrats are not stupid. And no, none of them are. They, But they do their polling. Look what they're doing to agriculture. Look what they're doing to confiscation of land. Look what they're doing to put people out of business, family ranchers. In, in the West, all of these things have has been the the golden platter for the for the Democrats. You don't dare say anything that this is wrong. The Endangered Species Act hasn't saved any animals yet. They either were already extinct or uh, their numbers have come back to the point they're now a detriment, like that buzzard that lives back in Nebraska or whatever it is. I mean, all this stuff. But if you say, oh, you're for dirty water, dirty hair, uh, uh, pollution, uh, well, no, but we're not getting anywhere with this stuff. You know, that uh, they burn down the trees now that they used to make houses out of. Uh, they don't go after the minerals that we have in this country. We have no self-sufficient, nothing. So, I mean, it's just, you just go, wow, this is getting crazier and crazier. And little... go ahead. The biggest weapon, the biggest weapon of all is let's let's spank Hank. We can get him, and then the rest of the people in the sheep business will get in line. I had a gentleman from California call me and give me the new rules and regulations for me to take my sheep to California. So guess what? Probably I'm not going to take him to California ever again. So the people that were have making a profit by running my sheep in the wintertime down there will no longer have that opportunity. And if they enforce this ridiculousness on everybody, it's a, one more nail in the coffin of California. Uh, Hank, that's not that's not an issue for you and just California. Th this is a serious problem that I've been talking about. Maybe not enough. I'm actually, as soon as we get done today with the broadcast, I am headed to Tennessee. Uh, speak tomorrow night in Tennessee, and I'm driving instead of flying. And I'm driving through country where there's a guy who wants wants to get a guilt from me, wants a, a female bred guilt for his son. And I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it on this trip because to get the health requirements 
on one pig. I don't have to do anything to the pig. It's all just tracking. You have to get a permit. You have to do this. You have to do that. The veterinarian has to go through 18 hurdles in order to get a permit to get one animal from Nebraska to another state. And I decided it's it's not worth the effort to me to have to go through the junk that I have to go through to cross state lines with one animal. And this has been a growing problem. And at the end of the day, you just nailed where it's going to be. You can't cross a state line, which destroys the economic activity for people in both states. And it creates a quandary. And they, they've been doing it by putting crimps on you if you cross a state line. Now, most people... Yep. No, most and people all, just go do it illegally, don't get documentation, and you get away with that. I get made the poster child if I get caught doing that, which, by the way, I'm on probation yeah, right now, too, so that's I why guess. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Roll route. Because yeah. I so, sent one pig to Arizona to a 4-H kid in 2021, I think. And you know the fine for that if you get caught? $88,000. For one four HP. Roll out, second half, just a hit. Not wishing my life away here, but for many reasons, I'm looking forward to January 2024. The National Western is going to be a whole, no, not new, back to where we were, bringing to life the history, the heritage, the cattlemen gathering from the entire country, commercial cattlemen, purebred breeders, people who are just enthusiasts about beef consumption are going to all be at the National Western in Denver 2024. I'm going to be there for a big chunk, if not the entire event, and we're going to do more connecting the farm to the fork than ever, nationalwestern.com. Welcome back. Trent Luce alongside Hank Vogler checking in from North Spring Valley, Nevada. And uh, I got an email I want to find from a friend a uh, really good friend in Nebraska, but Hank, you got a county commissioner meeting this week? Uh, I had it last week. Oh, did we accomplish anything big? Uh, no, just we uh, we kind of have a an odd thing going on, as far as I'm concerned. All of a sudden, after years and years and years, they're selectively trying to enforce rules and regulations that, yes, they've been on the books since the 50s, one of them since the 80s, and now all of a sudden they're trying to enforce them, but yet it's selective enforcement. And I objected to that, and uh, you would have thought i throw the dead skunk on the table, but I got up to vote uh, to lay this crap aside this is you know we either got to change the rules and regulations we got to straighten things out it can't work this way anymore yeah see you were blaming there's uh, my there's what that's gracious calling me and one of us has dementia because he never remembers that monday morning i know show. yeah um but here you are being critical of Washington, D.C. and a selective portrayal of justice, uh, depending on who you are. And you're all doing the same thing in White Pine County, Nevada. Yep. But it just goes on forever. I, I, I don't know what, uh, you know. Uh, okay, if we're going to enforce these rules and regulations, then we have to enforce them to everybody, not just the ones that uh, 
are out of favor or happen to be in a profession that they don't particularly care for. Yeah. Uh, that's subjective. It's not objective. And that's not the way it should be ever today, tomorrow or ever. So anyhow, I suppose most, most of that's human nature and it'll always be some component of that, but I agree 100% support it well, across the board. The same for all. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, back to my little difficulty with going to California. It's amazing. I, I, there's maybe more than one source of the reasons that I'm be, uh, being ostracized or singled out or spank Hank, as my banker friend called it. <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, we had four horses show up here in White Pine County that had vesicular somatitis virus which is pretty prevalent in horses, but I guess sheep, cattle, other animals can get it. Well, in order to continue to make my business grow and prosper because of the margins are so small, you have to either grow or run in one band of sheep or what. I, I don't know the answer, but I had an opportunity to pick up some permits. Well, the gentleman I picked up them from it happens to be my next door neighbor it's only nine miles away but he's my next door neighbor so his hired man is the one that had these horses show up with this disease and a gnat passes it around well okay those horses have been in mcgill my sheep have not been anywhere near mcgill oh they're over this twelve thousand foot mountain so the gnat went over there, selected out one of my sheep. You know, I guess they get really lame. Well, when we unloaded those sheep from California, we marched them for seven days and no lame sheep and did not get near McGill. And there they are. But this gnat, I want to meet this gnat. This is gnat's a good mother. I mean, <laughs> we, if we could train him, we could train this gnat, give him some poison and send him to... Uh, assassinate people we don't like. I mean, it's just amazing that this gnat singled out out of a couple thousand ewes, ewe lambs, actually just 13 months old, singled them out, bit the one that had the disease, and then rather than bite other ones, flew all the way back to McGill and infected these horses. Or a gnat that infected those horses flew all the way over that mountain and got in my sheep, and I mean, it's just, it is so off of the wall. That's one scenario. And there's three people that have something against me getting those permits. One of them, they want to put wild sheep on there, which will eliminate me because I'm just down the street anyhow. So that person would like to put me out of business, and they thought they were going to get the permits. There's another person that thought my partner, was never going to be able to get sheep. So he would get one of those forest permits or two of them by default. And the other one was the diag the person that did the diagnosis that first thought it was foot and mouth disease. The state of Nevada got a hold of it. The gentleman from the state of Nevada, I've known him since he's a little kid. All he had to do is pick up the phone and call me. I don't know what the secret was, but they call me from the state saying, Will you be home Monday afternoon? Will you be home Tuesday? 
What what about? Will you be home? Wouldn't tell me what they were coming for, nothing. They show up. This guy shows up, a brand inspector with a badge on, with a flak jacket, with a pistol on his hip, with, I assume, mace and other paraphernalia that he had with him on his belt. I mean, what in the world is that all about? Brand inspectors show up with a book that tells you what the brand on your animals. I mean, this was <laughs> off the wall. Who who told him that, that there was going to be a shootout at the OK Corral for showing up in my yard? The other guy from California, I don't know if, what, if he was armed and dangerous. <laughs> he walked in on old Bow Bow, you know, the old white Akbash mm -hmm. sleeping on the floor yep. in the office. Yep. And, he goes, and, of course, Akbash weighs 150 pounds, a huge dog. And that guy says, is he all right? And I said, yeah, he ate a couple of bureaucrats this morning. I don't think he's <laughs> I mean, what can you say? I mean, we're talking about nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, then I get to thinking, there's a guy that uh, works for the state of Nevada. He's a, a state agency. And the former... Her governor put him on the board of agriculture, who's my nemesis in my argument with the Southern Nevada Water Authority over my permit that I bought four years before they even showed up that they're trying to take away from me and my water rights. He's on that board. And maybe he demanded this guy show up in a flag jacket with a pistol. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that, you know, you make enemies, you know, when, if you, if you don't do anything, I guess you get along. All right. You keep your head down. And, and, uh, isn't there a guy in the, in the, all of that bureaucracy named JJ that should be standing up for you? Known him since he's a little kid. Won't answer his phone. I called seven times. Why? Ask him. I don't know. I don't know. He's well, never, he never called me back. The only thing I, I won't let you get away with is, yes, all of this I know is 100% true. But this same type of thing in different shapes and colors and sizes is happening to animal owners everywhere. It's just yep. to the they're trying to bog down the system so that you can't get your animal to a market. And, and in this case, you're maybe going to California for grazing. Doesn't matter. If they stop the transportation of animals, and that's what the whole ID system's been about. It's not about generating a safer supply of food. It's about bogging down the system so it's no longer affordable for the small guy to transport an animal. Well, and add to that, all the years that I sent my lambs to Michelle Ihidoy in California, when you go that particular direction, there's no, the only stop that you used to have to go through was they were looking for illegal immigrants. Uh, there was a kind of a station out in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. that was manned and, and, and you'd have to go through that. But that's it. No fruit deal. Now, maybe I can understand that when they stop you and ask if you've got a fruit when you go other directions. When you go out of Las Vegas, you have to go through the deal and that's what they ask you. Uh, so what was the violation? Uh, 
my sheep evidently way further south, not in where my sheep were at, was they have this outbreak of this VSV or whatever it is. Vesticular stomatitis. Not up. Yes. It's it's not up where my sheep were at. So all this could have been done with one phone call. Yeah. One phone call. And not, none of it. None of it. Just over the top. So then they start looking through their records. And years ago, Michel Ehidoy brokered my sheep, my ewe lambs, to a guy in Willows, California. 2015 was the only record that they ever had of me being in California. Well, okay, so every year when they go down there, the truck drivers, the people that they go to, whether they're feeding for me, Nobody's ever said a word. And Scrapey, 2007 was the last time there were two goats in Gardnerville, completely across the street, that had Scrapey. But the Scrapey program is still intact. I wind up giving 15 sheep heads off of aged sheep. Scrapey has a 36-month incubation period. My lambs go down there. They're not even a year old. The weathers are grown out and go to slaughter or go some of them went all the way to Wisconsin on a truck. I mean, all of this stuff, but they're weathers. All right. And they're going to be disposed of before they have 36 months. Those you lambs are 13 months old Yeah, when they come back, not when they go down there. So this guy tells me, he says, well, I'll get all the rules and regulations for me. So he calls me up giddy as he can be. Tells me that I have to have a health inspection before they leave. I have to have a health inspection when they cross the border. Possible. He doesn't even know. That's not his department. He's making a living off of going around with any animals or anything, maybe fruit also. I have no idea. Investigating. This violations. is a USDA investigator. He, he said, well, I don't know nothing. No, California. Oh, well, the state does it first, then they turn over USDA. But I got to roll. We'll be back. Last segment after this. When it comes to electricity, we have a reliable supply that we continue to thumb our nose at. As a nation, we need to be supportive of coal because it is the reliable, affordable supply of electricity. We have 800 years of coal left. We have people working in coal fields. What we have against us is policymakers who do not want life to be powered by coal. Stand up for coal. Lignite.com. Welcome back. We're all right. Trent Luce alongside Hank Vogler, who's now expressing the pain I've been feeling in dealing with these over-intrusive regulations crossing the border. And just for the listening audience, if you cross a border with an animal that is not going to a terminal location, in other words, to be butchered, to be harvested, to be slaughtered, you are required by federal law to have a health paper for transit across that state line, no matter what. And ignorance of the law is no excuse. But I've been told I've been that a couple of times. For a very long time. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I've been ignorant for a very long time. No problem. I have been because I didn't know. Nobody ever said, no truck driver said, 
Where's your health papers? They haul more sheep than mine. So, you know, and the only thing out there that I was aware of was scrapey. All of my sheep have a hot iron S on their nose. That's a little more permanent than a paint brand or an ear tag. All the sheep that I send to slaughter, I put the ear tag in them because if you take them to the sale, uh, they charge you five bucks for putting the tag in. Yep. So, I mean, I'm complying on that end of it. I, I don't know. Oh, I, I just don't under, I just don't understand all of a sudden just boom out of nowhere. So this guy tells me I've got to have these ear tags. I've got to have California ear tags, which you got to buy and pay for. I said, well, it's got, they've got a hot iron S on their nose. That's a little bit identifiable. It, it doesn't wash off. It doesn't get caught in a brush and tear out. And the age of those animals, they're 13 months old when they come home. They don't care about that, I mean, Hank. No. But they had all these years I've been going back and forth. They had no record except one time, Manuel Bastarachia, Willows, California, bought my lambs, my ewe lambs. I mean, all of that. So I sold last week, last Wednesday, I sold my weathers. So there's 3,000 animals that will not go down to California to be wintered, to be grown out, to be in a different market and twice the weight mm -hmm. it's worked for me in the past. The price is up enough to no use even trying, but they're gone. So they will not be fed and figure that out at 30 cents a head today. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on. Well, now, uh, 4,000 lambs left at home, 5,000 actually, uh, there'll be 2000 kept for replacements. Uh, we've had to cull very severely because of the drought and everything else. And the rest of them are going to be sold. And so a gentleman whose son has five little kids and people working for him will have to find another place uh, to find somebody that's crazy enough to take sheep to California to winter. So <laughs> who won? Who won? My sheep aren't sick. Nobody won. But the bureaucrats won, I guess. And everybody can say, we stopped this no good SOB. Why, we had to, we had to face him at gunpoint. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And we wore a flap jacket because we know he's dangerous. Yes, yes. Yes. But look, look, this yeah. is just one little area <laughs> that they're using to eliminate us owning animals. If said animal gets sick, you have to get a veterinarian. You can't just go out there and get a bottle of medicine and treat it anymore. You have to have a prescription to give an injection to an animal. For now, going on five years, you have to have a prescription to put any antibiotic in the feed of any said animals. Every turn, they're increasing the cost and compliance of owning and transporting animals. And this is just, it's not getting enough attention. It's whittling it away at our ability. And it's part of the big grand plan. You know, it's not just the cows are contributing to climate change. I can take you back to United, Na United Nations documentation from the 80s that talks about the sustainable development plan, which does not include animals in our future. It's just been an incremental process, and at every turn, they make it so that you can't actually get away with it.
you know, and it took me a long time to come to the party. I mean, I just could not believe that, you know, we had Adolf Hitler, we had Joe Stalin, we had Mao Zedong, we've had some pretty brutal people from the beginning of time. And I thought, you know, with instant communications and everything, that people would become a, a little more hesitant to get involved in such crap. But the only reason this is, is they have this in their mind that if they can control the world's population down, that it'll be a utopia. When when less than, what, 10% or 10% of the, the earth of out of the water is conducive to agricultural products, every country that has tried capitalism, including China. China had the one-child policy. It was failing miserably. Uh, different areas didn't have that problem. Uh, They're far enough away from the from the high sheriff and the police. They did what they wanted. They had lots of kids. But their population is aging. They have none, no kids coming along. Japan's in the same boat. They they turn towards capitalism. Dong Xiaoping tried it in China. And people, when capitalism, they have fewer children. They clothe themselves better. They feed themselves better. And they house themselves better. And that is population control with capitalism, really. And it's just it's just nuts. Everywhere there's been an oppressive government, it fails. But murdering people through starvation is the most cruelest, horrible. One time I saw a man starving to death, and I've never forgotten that. Some people brought him up here to pick pine nuts. When they got the pine nuts, they took off and left these people scattered in the woods. And this man was so starved to death, he begged us, I'll do anything for food, anything. We fed him, and he couldn't hold food in his stomach. He puked. We had to feed him broth for about two days. We got him strong enough, and I told him, I said, sorry, I can't I can't hire you. They'll... They'll put me out of business. They'll take my men away from me. But we're going to Elko to the Social Security office today. We'll give you a ride to, to Elko. And and but this man was on the verge of being dead. And it's ugly. And I don't think they can do it. I think the people are going to rebel, whether it's here or around the world. You can only put up with it so long. Yeah, and this is a discussion that I get into every day in every circle. Um, there's a lot of people giving lip service. How many are going to be there when when it's uh, nut cutting time? Pine nut. I was talking about yeah. a pine nut, you know. <laughs> but I mean, the, how cruel can our species be? I mean, that. <laughs> <laughs> all you, you have know, to be I mean, is a yeah, good student I, I of history and you know the answer to that question yeah yeah <laughs> and all and right. it's always turned seems like it turns out the same it does so in the in the light of the all of the realities of the world you've brought into us i have to get to these and uh i absolutely love this email i got and Barbara just keeps me on my toes. But you know, you know those little sayings that we always wonder, 
what the origins of those might be. And I like to go dig them up. And you're really good at coming up with those little sayings. She has brought to my attention how many things we used to say that have caught, kind of fallen away, like heavens to Murgatroy. When was the last time you heard somebody say that? And yet when I was a kid, we said it all the time. Here's yeah. one that you should relate to quite well. Heavens to Betsy. Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that my daughter Betsy, when she was a little kid, they had a doll called Betsy Wetsy. And <laughs> her sisters used to tease her. And then, boy, the fight was on. And I don't mean <laughs> Betsy. I don't think you want to mess with her. <laughs> she, she'd whack them. And in fact, two of them, the two older daughters took after her. She whipped them both at the same time. And from then on, when she come through the house, there was no more Betsy Wetsy. <laughs> Heaven to Betsy. I've heard that a lot. Gee willikers. My stars and <laughs> my stars and fur line jockey. <laughs> hey, I got a question. What kind of a jalopy did you have hauling those sheep to California? When was the last time you heard somebody talk about the jalopy? Oh, yeah, that's right. Jalopies. Or my grandpa used to say, uh, let's go get in the puddle jumper. Yeah. That was his. That was his hunting car. Let's go get in the puddle jumper and we'll go fishing or something. Yep. I got a I got a I daughter got that's a carbon copy of her mother. Carbon copy. You sound like a broken yeah. record, Hank Vogler. Always talking about these dilemmas with your labor. Yeah, yeah, broken record, yeah. <laughs> Does anybody even know what a record is anymore? <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> <sighs> Straighten up and fly right, Hank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are good. Holy moly. Yeah. And where did the, the living the life of Riley come from anyway? I have no idea. I I know a guy named Riley. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, I just can't believe all of these that you just, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Where in the world would yeah. that have come from? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was probably from Darwin because supposedly we're related to the monkeys anyhow. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. that's um, thanks to my friend from Sweetwater, Tennessee. Oh, my goodness. I never thought about that. That's perfect. I'm headed to Tennessee today. I'm going to stop and see Dr. Hugh, but Dr. Hugh, when, um, you know, there's some things you can't say when you're like on a radio and stuff, but when somebody says something that's completely obvious, instead of talking about what a bear does in the woods, just answer with, does a monkey have a climbing gear? <laughs> <laughs> For Hank Vogler, I'm Trent Luce. We have successfully journeyed down that path, connecting food producers to food consumers. And we remind you that all roads do lead to a roll route. Talk about beef for a moment. Central Great Plains beef producers continue to utilize the Piedmontese breed, the tenderness that comes through the product. In fact, I had a pork chop last night that was not tender enough. I raised that pork chop, and I test genetically for these animals. That's why it, it's imperative that we have a consistent supply of tender beef. And the Piedmontese breed makes it happen every single time. 
Test my theory. Make sure that I'm telling you the truth. Try it out one time. CPBeef.com. CertifiedPiedmontese.com.